Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I am David. This week on the show, we are wrapping up the Clerks duology. Yeah. Is that, I guess? Yeah, that would be the best word for it for now. Um, With Clerks 2. Last week we talked about the first Clerks, Kevin Smith's uh, writing and directorial debut. Right. Um, This movie came out in 2006. What's the difference on that? Uh, 12 years. 94 to 2006, yeah. 12 years. 12 years? Yeah. So 12 years later, he returned to the quick stop for a little bit. With uh, Randall and Dante, we mm-hmm. check on on what they're doing in this movie. They are still working at the quick stop. However, it burns down in the opening segment, um, yep. and they move on to get a job at Moby's. Yep, which is a fast food restaurant. Yeah, a, a Burger King and, McDonald's esque yeah, restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not much has changed. Not much has changed in the life of Randall and Dante. They're still kind of slackers. Yep. Uh, Dante is still like, ah, I got a lot of problems with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> the man's like serially unfaithful to women. That's all. Yeah, that's, yep. that's oh, a yeah. bit of an he issue. Is a, Definitely, he, he like can't he can't like keep someone down or keep no. someone tied down. Anyway, so he's still dealing with his love life. Yada yada yada. That's what it's about. So let's uh, start with. Garrett. Oh, snap. <laughs> with his first word, and then we'll go around the room. I feel like my word is going to surprise yeah, people. Yeah, I picked you on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not going to be what you expect. Maybe not. I'm going to say return. Oh, that's f- weak. Return is pretty weak. <laughs> that, I have reasonings. Yeah, ah, we'll get to your reasonings. It's weak. All right. So, to make it even better, we're going to go with mine. Now, mine could have two meanings, but I'm going to go, I'll, I'll specify my meaning later. Kay. And my my word is refined. We'll get to Andrew. what I mean by that in a minute. Why? <laughs> why? That's Andrew's okay. word. Why? Not convinced anyone picked a word to describe the movie. No. But that's okay. I, I that's what I did. I picked a word to describe the, word, the movie. Uh, my word is childish. Yeah. Mm, that's a fair word. The film is childish. That's good, too. So, um, we'll continue the circle and yeah. explain why we picked those words. So, why, Garrett, did you pick Return? Return is a big aspect of this movie. This is a return to form of Kevin Smith. He's going to his original characters that made him famous. The group of people, for the most part, that most people know him for. He's created a bunch of movies, but again, none of his movies have been outrageously successful. Most people know Clerks, and this is the first time that he's returned to this setting, to this group of people, uh, in their original form. Uh, There's also a huge debate about Return of the Jedi versus Return of the King, which I truly love. And this, for for me, it's just a full return to Kevin Smith getting back to his roots and extending the story on what made him and his career famous. So, David, uh, I picked the word refined because... Clerks 2, in comparison to its predecessor, really, I feel like, shows the growth of Kevin Smith's ability as a director, as a writer, as an editor. Like, the from the blocking of the film to the cinematography to the dialogue, it's all a major step forward in comparison to just Clerks in the craftsmanship of Kevin Smith's style. Because it's shot better, it's directed better, dialogue is, while still shock value dialogue at times, while still immature in its content at times, is still way better and way and handled better than in the first Clerks. It's a real, 
you know, we kind of skipped the movies in between that would have shown uh, showed that that growth steadily. But just going right from Clerks to Clerks Two, you would think that Clerks Two was directed by like like some other professional director, you know, and that Clerks Two was like somebody's student film, and then someone said that's a good movie, I want to make a sequel to that, you know, or something like that myself, and do it right. Like that's just how much Kevin Smith's grown because it just looks better, it feels more cohesive, and I feel like he refined what his what his vision was for the movie to make a better all around movie, you know, that, and that's not to do necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily like a, I don't mean refined in a, this movie is very refined and dignified type of movie. It's not that it's purely a display of Kevin Smith's growth, growth as a, uh, artist, I guess is the best word to use for it. Or as a, you know, as a cinema, as a cinema creator, and um, it makes this film um, more co- cohesive and a bit more conventional. There's a bit more of a conventional storyline here than we had in the first Clerks, which was just kind of like, you know, a, a series of shots, you know, that kind of slowly develops into an overall plot of this uh, debate between Randall and, and uh, Dante over whether or not Dante should, you know, stop uh, throwing himself a pity party do something with his life it's kind of how the first clerks developed this one kind of picks up that through line but it doesn't in a much more i feel like nuanced way again this is not a full review of necessarily how i feel about the movie i'm just kind of speaking on it on the merits of how it was made okay andrew why did you pick why <laughs> well you here's what a lot of thought into that word here's yeah. what i have to say about kevin smith andrew think... always put so much thought into all these things <laughs> Uh, here's what I have to say about Kevin Smith. I think Kevin Smith is a brilliant writer. I think he's an okay director. I think that when he goes to create something, like there's a lot of thought, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of motivation behind what he's writing. Clerks two. The reason why I say why is that why was this movie made? I feel like you did not need to make this movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like it it was almost kind of pointless. I feel like there was let's see what is it uh it's almost a waste of talent on Kevin Smith's part i think i think I think the dialogue is okay at times um i but all in all didn't really care for the movie i wish i I wish I could have, but I couldn't okay i so I picked childish because I, there's really n- I can't really go into it any deeper than it's just kind of childish humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, like I, I thought like, you know, there's a lot of lowbrow movies that I enjoy, mm. but it's not that it's lowbrow. It's like it was written by 13-year-old boys. And I wanted to challenge you, Andrew, because you called Kevin Smith a brilliant writer, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to wonder if that's true. I think he's a brilliant writer in terms of creating dialogue and creating and, and motivating motivating a timeline. I think he's a brilliant writer in, in coming up with a decent plot because I personally, I think Kevin Smith's best movie is Dogma. So you're thinking of Smith movies outside of the Clerks. Yeah. I mean, universe. we're we're all talking about the view, universe, but... the, the view esque universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of that, I think his best movie has to be Dogma. And I think like, and the reason why I picked Dogma is because Dogma, again, touches on a very for me it it did touch a little bit on a a personal level but uh, but at the same time like it was funny it was fresh 
There was a lot of good humor. There was a lot of really good plotting. The dialogue was excellent. It it raised some very challenging beliefs and ideas. And I think that's what I think that's what sets Kevin Smith out. I feel like this is just like he's bored and he doesn't know what else to do. Have you guys seen any Kevin Smith movies not mm-hmm. Clerks or Dogma? I've seen I've seen a few because and if you I look- know that at all of his movies, with the exception of Dogma and Red State, but that's mm-hmm. a different situation. Uh-huh. There's no likable characters in any of his movies. No. They're all trash. Now, even like, every single person in his movie is an unlikable person. Mm-hmm. There's not a likable character in any of them. Yeah. So, for me, you have to watch these movies from that lens. Mm-hmm. They're garbage people who are bad people. But yeah. that doesn't mean that they can't have a storyline that is deliverable and workable. And right. that is why I enjoy these movies is because, yeah, they're trash people. And if you look at them as trash people, that's fine. But they can they trash people exist in this world. And that's why I think that the dialogue makes sense because the dialogue is stuff that you would hear trash people talking about. Yeah. Like, this movie makes sense from a bottom feeder's perspective. But all of his movies make sense from a bottom feeder's perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Not everybody has to be likable. Everybody has right. their own things that can drive people crazy. And they can be bad people, but they still have a story that can be told. And that's what these movies do. Yeah, they're all bad. They're all bad people. Mm-hmm. But they can. he can tell that story too. Well, and but, I, but, I think that I, 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 I kind of disagree with you that, that his best film is Dogma. That's my favorite. I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I think his best film is probably Chasing Amy, which I think does do a pretty good job of handling dialogue and, and, and a unique story. I think Quentin Tarantino said that when he saw Chasing Amy, he said, uh, finally, Kevin Smith has uh, come into his own. And so, like, I know it's it's there, but I know that at the end of the day, his humor, I think, is still, even at his older age, you can listen to him on his podcast and stuff, his humor is still kind of what's the word uh, slacker frat boy yeah. in a way yeah. and it's a little childish and it's a little shock value grotesque at times and that's just kind of his humor and his style and if you uh, if you if you if you can get that or get behind that then it works if you don't then it can be a bit of a barrier for entry because if you can't handle that type of uh, language or that type of um, that type of content, I could see it being a turnoff. You know, as, as a, my wife made it through like twelve minutes of Clerks before she was like, "Yeah, this is not, this is not my type of thing." For me, I, I watch this movie through sort of the same lens that I kind of watch like South Park through. Like, I know that South Park's going to throw some really uh, insane and gross and crazy and controversial thoughts at me over the course of an episode or a series of episodes but at the end of the episode there's going to be a core like a little nugget of like a really solid little idea or philosophy that you can go okay all right i see what they what they set up here through all this it took you know they 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 took me through some hardships to get there but there's a little bit of like an interesting takeaway at the end of this movie if you have the stomach or mentality to kind of wait through it so i think there's there's merit in there but I won't disagree and say there's not a childish element. Oh, no. I won't disagree and say there's not a shock element. Yeah. I found it to be uh, – I found this to be actually more entertaining personally than uh, the first Clerks, um, having now rewatched them both. Um, well, I say re- I rewatched Clerks, so this is my first full viewing of Clerks too. 
And boy, was I surprised that Sex with a Donkey was the least shock value scene in this movie. <laughs> or not not the least, but the second most shock value scene in this movie. What was the first? Randall listed off a bunch of racial slurs. Oh, yeah. Dude. I was alone in a room and I got uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I cringed that hard. Yeah. Like, I was like, And those two scenes you just mentioned, Ooh. I did, like, why are they, I just, I don't know, why are they there? What do they do? It They're sets not up, funny. It sets They're up stupid. Randall's character. Randall is unapologetically a sociopath. Like, yeah, well, we talked about that last episode. Mm-hmm. And that is Randall's character. He's unabashedly unapologetic about everything that he stands for and he believes in. Right. And that is, those are, there are people like that in this world. I put a lot of thoughts down. So about a lot Randall. of people might be in charge of places and things that are yeah. Like that. Well, it's not and that so, they're and, unlikable. It's that I knew that without hearing him list five minutes of racial slurs. The, the, yeah. I knew he was that a bad was, person. Well, it was really, really tense. And it's one of those things of like, I'm, I'm glad they had like Wanda Sykes and Earthquake there because they like uh, gave it a sense of like, I don't know, the appropriate amount of pushback. It was really funny because it's kind of, I, I did laugh because. Earthquake wanting to take the food anyway and wanted mm-hmm. to be like, no, and like slapping it out of his hands was really what did make me laugh. But uh, yeah, it made you, maybe it makes you uncomfortable that moment. I, I have many thoughts that I wrote down on Randall. I'll let Andrew go first, though. No, on the spot, Andrew. On Randall? Or on whatever well, you want to talk about. Well, anything. I mean, so far, everything you guys are saying about like the characters being not likable, really, the only person who I, who I liked, uh, was Rosario Dawson's character. Mm-hmm. That was Why? It. She knowingly slept with Dante. Yeah, that was but, kind of... But no, that's like she, the least bad thing anyone That is the least bad does. thing, yeah, yeah That's I agree. what makes her the most likable. Right, yeah. but like, again, I just don't... I, I will not... I won't defend these movies because no. I understand that they're not for everybody and yeah, I, lo- I love to. them to death. But I will be the first to be like, yeah, this is not a thing for everybody. It's a very yeah. select niche of people that should watch it and would enjoy yeah. it. I happen to be in that group. Um, I just don't think that... I, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think back to Mallrats and Chasing Amy, and even Red State, which again, different. But Kevin Smith doesn't really like or write likable characters. No, even Silent Bob, who you could argue is the most likable character in all of his movies, at the end of the day, still a drug dealer. Yeah, <laughs> he might he might not say anything. Drug dealer, not yeah. a good person. Sure, sure. Um. So, like I said, story-wise, Randall kind of goes off the deep end in terms of being an a-hole in this movie. And um, uh, the tr- his treatment of the character Elias actually bothered me at a certain level because Elias also, I don't know if this was intentional, but to me, really comes across as like a kid who might have like Asperger's or something. Like, he seems yeah. really... Like not, he's, he's deficient. He doesn't seem well, he's like clearly he's clearly very sheltered. Yeah, very That's sheltered. Very sheltered it. in his uh, strict like religious, religious environment. But there seemed to also be a a, a definite disconnect between uh, understanding think, social cues and and and, and you know, things like that. I, I think I that's Kevin think that, Smith because yeah. Kevin Smith is not a big person on religion. So I think that's him going over yeah. the top and saying this is. A character who is again again. I'm I, sure it's, all of the all of the characters yeah. are so over the top. For every aspect of what they do. Right, right, right. And I think that is just another way of his writing style is that it's bold, brash, and over the top. And that's the thing. And that is what Randall is. And and we'll get into that with your thoughts on Randall because I have a lot of thoughts on Randall too. But 
everyone, including Elias, is just an over-exaggeration of a normal person. And that's the thing, is if he treated, if he singled out Elias, it would feel like bullying. But since Randall's kind of that same to like everybody, even the people that he technically likes, it's less uh, of a real like problem. It's just to me that um, it's so un uh, provoked. Like Elias isn't like mean to Randall, and so Randall's mean back. It's not like the Jason Lee scenario where Jason Lee come in and he's bigly at him, you know. And so Randall gets gets angry and as like a, a somewhat appropriate response. Elias is just like some kid who just likes Transformers. You know, like, there's no reason to give the guy crap. Um, there would is a time in my life when I think I would have related to Randall in the scenes where he's given people uh, hell. Like, I like uh, I would have felt like he was, like, kind of bucking norms and telling, pe- telling it like it is, you know, and uh, ripping on Lord of the Rings and uh, telling, uh, telling uh, trying to get people to vomit and <laughs> randall is a living stuff. breathing mouth or living but, mouth breathing troll yeah. that's all he is yeah, that's he's all like he, a, that's he's a real life he's internet he is troll. yeah he's the internet comments um, on paper and i and i kind of grew out of that and i think a lot of us kind of grew out of that to a certain extent and so it just makes you view randall from this viewpoint of like i i'm watch, watching this movie now maybe this is the intent is that when you watch it randall's not cool anymore like if in the first first clerks movie you're watching it as a young teen and you're watching, and you're watching Randall. You're like, yeah, man, Randall's like, screw the system. Who cares? This stuff doesn't matter. Do what you want to do. But at like 33, and he's still that mentality, and he's not, and he's still like flipping, and he's basically he's flipping burgers now. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes him more the bad guy for me watching it at times than the guy that I was sort of on the side of. Yeah. So you kind of want to look at Randall, and just say, grow up, man. Like, what are you, what are you doing? There's a level, and this is something that, you know, we're all almost in our 30s. We're pretty close to it, um, if not already in it or beyond it, Andrew and Garrett. I'll throw myself <laughs> under the bus on that one. Um, and I think that that's a thing that we, I run into a lot is, like, there's a there's a line of, okay, you're an adult now. But just because you're an adult doesn't mean that you have to lose, like, your inner child of things. And I think that's a, something that a lot of adults tend to forget is yeah. all of that because we uh, I have movie posters framed on my wall mm-hmm. and people don't understand that what are you a child was this a dorm room all of the movie posters as a person who hosts a movie podcast sees a bunch of movies they're art they're framed they're not thumbtacked on my wall but I always make the argument why would I want a random picture of a sailboat that I have no <laughs> attachment to other yeah. than this movie that I have on yeah. here Randall is the person that never became an adult and he t- continues to ride the childish line. Like there's yeah. there's a point in your life where you have to find that balance of like, okay, it's okay to be a childish in this scenario or with this, mm-hmm. and, it, and then you can still be an adult. He is not an adult. But I would say, and I don't really like this word, the part of his childness, childhood that he chose to preserve is his is like the toxicity oh, yeah. of high school bullying, mm-hmm. and he just like maintained that. Like that's the worst aspect to keep from your. Of your childhood, like yeah. it's not like he loves Star Wars in a way that like he has like it's it's healthy. It's like he can't let somebody else be happy about their movie. Like he has to say your movie sucks. Mm-hmm. Like you're not that type of guy. No, you don't go out and just go like, oh, you watching that? Pff, knock it out of their hands. That movie's crap. You should see what I got on my walls. Like there's a healthy element, and that's what Randall hasn't gotten to. And 
it just kind of makes him kind of to me obviously we've talked about he's unlikable but um that's trying to articulate why he's unlikable i think that's what the aspect is is randall hasn't grown up Mm -hmm. josh what do you think about randall yeah and him not growing up Yeah. yeah i agree with that um i do want to note um for anyone listening who might believe this uh the art that you put in your home it does not make you childish. No. Uh, I feel like that needed to be hammered in. Yeah. People who have f- framed paintings versus a framed movie poster or whatever, or a Broadway poster. I point at Andrew because Andrew has framed Broadway posters. Is that childish compared to a movie? I gesture at you, but you don't. I know you don't think that. So, like, people have got to, like, figure out what childish is. Mm -hmm. Childish comes from behavior to me. Not the type of art that you like. No. Yeah. Um, There's not this. Yeah, there's just because just because you reach a level of where you're no longer a child and you're an adult doesn't mean that just because I like this thing makes me a child. And that's where the problem with this is beyond clerks now. Right. Well, it's an aspect of maturity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I still play video games. I'm 20. Of course. Yeah, we all do. But I but I don't. Uh, Your life you know, isn't consumed by it. I don't. Well, that and I don't like. Or is it? I don't like. <laughs> I don't like get on like my headset and start like cursing people Yell at out kids. because they because they messed up my game. Or right. I don't. You know, call in, I don't swap people. You know, or right. something like that. Like there's just a maturity, and that's the that's really the difference that I don't see. Is I I would be I'd almost believe that Randall doesn't have any childhood stuff in his house. He probably just has like or apartment, whatever he lives in. He lives in his he's mom's got an basement. Em- yeah, he's got like an empty couch and a bunch of junk and maybe some weed and stuff like that, and maybe some old uh, torn up VHS tapes. But he hasn't like matured as a person. Right. He still treats people like crap. In a way, I feel like Randall is a. This is gonna be worded weird. Oh. But just <laughs> just roll with me until I finish. I think Randall is a character that is somewhat a- ahead of his times looking at the times that we live in now. Because currently, there are so many issues with people not listening to facts right. and just believing what they feel right. and rolling into that. Right. And you see Randall as that type of character, especially whenever he is on the internet bashing the character that you don't ever see but who has the handicap blog. Right. Where he's talking yeah. about how he has reached his peak or he's like wanting to reach out to people who don't understand what it's like to be disabled and has all this stuff and he goes on there and he trolls him and then he starts calling a man Frank and he gets confused with Helen Keller and Frank mm-hmm. so he gets corrected and then he still course corrects and he goes well I guess he is kind of like Anne Frank what with the diary and all no you were proven wrong but you're still looking at it as a way to make yourself right like yeah. that is so many people that are currently they don't listen to logic they don't listen to reason and they just continue to believe and bash what they feel and that is in my opinion, being more prevalent to what's going on in the world now, a more relevant type of character in 2019 than it was in 2006. Yeah, he definitely represents a, a the worst in a lot of in a lot of uh, society we see today. I'm sure you could make enough. You could probably make broad strokes about all these characters mm-hmm. that they represent sort of different mentalities that we see in this day and age. Yeah. Um, I think Dante in the movie actually says the line, Randall, you're chaos incarnate. Yes. And knowing that Kevin Smith, I think Kevin Smith kind of likes that sort of uh, ID idea. And I wonder, I don't know if he's ever said this or not. Maybe you guys could look this up or maybe you've heard it yourself, but I wouldn't be surprised if like Dante and Randall are supposed to represent like order and chaos. 
and that the reason would I would if Dante, Dante wasn't such yeah, chaos. Dante well, the thing is, that's, Dante's whole thing he doesn't is represent he, order at all. Dante mm-hmm. is so unwilling to upset order that he like basically won't do anything. The only thing he does is Just, make bad relationship choices, and like you know, and so like that's sort of like him going against it. But he only does it in a sense that like, but that thing is like order and chaos aren't always. Uh, like perfect if that's right Mm -hmm. if if that makes sense like Randall can have a moment of clarity where he goes and just rides a go-kart you know and not have to mess with anybody he's just gonna go ride a go-kart and have a moment of clarity Dante can have a moment of weakness and sleep with his boss while he's still dating another girl so like they're not perfect but Dante represents somebody who's unwilling to upset what he thinks is how you're supposed to live and Randall's somebody who refuses to live how anybody expects him to live together. But you know what's have- funny about that to me is Randall lives almost exactly like Dante lives. I know. There, there is no real random. difference between their lifestyle choices. So it's not a perfect theory. But like, I, but, no. I, but it just kind of like when but you said I, that, I just kind of thought that is kind of a Kevin Smith idea to just have characters represent slightly yeah. more broad concepts. Like, because Randall also does not want to uh, truly upset any order because he he freaks out at the at the notion of Dante doing anything without him mm-hmm. because that's how it's always been. Yeah. He says something about the past 30 years meant nothing to you, yeah. but, like, you also want him to do more. Yeah. So which is it? Yeah, there's an he extreme. He wants him to do what he wants him to do. Yeah, there's an extreme dependence there. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a difference there, and I think that the difference in that scene at the end in the jail cell that you're referencing, Josh, yep. is is different because Randall is able to see that Dante is not doing what Dante wants to do. Dante is doing what Dante thinks he should be doing, and there's a difference. And yes, Randall knows deep down, Dante doesn't want to marry this woman. Dante doesn't want to leave New Jersey. Dante wants to stay here. Otherwise, he would have done it a long time ago. And so that's that moment of clarity. And that is that whole jail cell scene for me is like the best overall scene of the movie because you see growth in each and you see something different that you don't expect from each and every character while also they hold on to their familiarity so like every Kevin Smith movie that you watch in this universe has a point where a conflict is happening something's going on Silent Bob steps in and says something profound and helpful and it moves the story along. In this one, you see a different type of Silent Bob who's like, I really don't, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything here. Mm-hmm. You see a Randall who is such an anti-emotional person get very involved in his emotions and how he feels towards his best friend. And this is the first time that he's really embraced those emotions and said what is actually being felt in him as a human. He said, he tells his best friend that he loves him. He explains all of these things that like, I have been happy because you are here in my life. You see a part where Dante realizes you're right. I am just playing into these things that I don't even believe in, but because I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing rather than doing what I want to do. And then you even have a moment where Jay shows his moment of kindness and offering to buy or lend them the money to buy the quick stop reinvest all of this he immediately goes back into his regular J whenever he's like you gotta blow each other or whatever but it's a moment of generosity this is a moment where each and every person has a bit of growth that you did not get in the first one and that is a scene 
that I genuinely enjoy mm-hmm. once it gets to that part. It takes a while to get there, but once it does, I remember thinking as a kid, being, again, 16 years old when this movie came out, watching that scene and thinking, wow, Jeff Anderson is a really good actor. That was a really good scene. And I believe at the time, I need to preface, at the time, <laughs> I was like, he should be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, my God, that was crazy. That was really good. Yeah. I no longer believe that. <laughs> 16-year-old Garrett definitely thought that. We all had different thoughts. I thought that The Dark Knight should win, like, Best Picture. <laughs> it should have. I mean, really, it, it should really, have been nominated. It should, it should have. It should have at least been nominated. That is a common belief for I me, don't remember Jeff what Anderson, Anderson no Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Goodness I, gracious, All man. that stuff said, I think Randall's the star of the movie honest with you it's really his conflict his growth that like when, when we get to that climactic moment that's where it really became clear to me because while it really seems like it's dante's thing of trying to decide what am i going to do about my different girlfriends the actual sub story that's or the story that's just right under the surface the whole time is randall dealing with this change that's about to happen in his life it is a guy who has no personal ambition and the 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 wayward ambition of his best friend is about to completely upset his world as far as he knows it and so like when he reveals that vulnerability at the end of the movie it's like oh this whole movie's been randall's movie the whole time that's been the real story is randall dealing with dante leaving not the idea that Dante's gonna leave um and i thought that that was handled pretty well um because i think that if the first one is is sort of dante figuring out how to like how to accept what the life he has but try to change this one is definitely randall trying to hold on to or trying to reach out to the world that he didn't realize i guess he needed mm. anything okay. else on the story you want to no. talk about the donkey scene no i really oh. i truly don't <laughs> it's really gross, no, and was, it's not worth discussing. That was absolutely <laughs> I was horrible. Very glad they didn't actually show really anything, right? <laughs> but I kept expecting them to. After they said all those racial slurs, yeah. I was like, "There's gonna be a shot. They're just gonna pan and, around. There's just gonna be a big old donkey, dude." Listen again, mouth. I I will defend this movie for me. That's a scene that I really can't defend. Um, other than the fact that I'll say, "Would you expect these guys to do anything else?" These particular characters. It's I can perfectly in their realm of like this is a thing I'm gonna do. I don't know. I can say after Clerks One, I would never have expected that. Even yeah. from Randall, well, correct? Because, because of, nothing like that, even close to that, because of how is even discussed because in the first of one. how minimal they had to be with the first Clerks. Right? Like, there's a scene that happens where you know uh, in the first Clerks, his girlfriend or his estranged former lover uh, has sex with a dead guy. We don't see any of that. It's all right. it's all it's all hearsay and, and, and behind closed doors. Sure. And so big events happen more or less off screen and you're told about them in the first one. This actually has the yeah. they have the budget and they have the right. the ability to actually go forward with this type of thing. So it's even it's it's plussing it to a crazy degree of like, hey, we're actually gonna do something super crazy. Sure. But you're also forgetting in the first movie, there's a scene where Randall has gone out and rented half or um hermaphrodite porn and at that moment he talks about how he's open to he's all about learning new things and 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 exploring new things and it doesn't for me surprise a massive jump it is but he also talks about in he's a weirdo they talk about how he they've talked about this is something they've talked about and now they're gonna do it like it for me it wasn't as surprising because of that character and what was set up in the first movie as far as like what he's he doesn't seem to care and he seems to be open to anything even that which 
Again, I will not defend that part. Uh, it's very uncomfortable, <laughs> and uh, I don't, don't care for it. Nope. It was weird. The only other scene I feel like worth majorly noting, well, oh, two things. Uh, there's like two scenes in Cars in this movie where like yeah. Randall and, uh, and Dante are driving, and I think if you're going to look, if you want to look for an example of Kevin Smith's growth, watch the first Clerks movie where they're driving, watch this one, and you can see yeah. how much, A, a budget, and how much developing as a director really helped him shoot a car scene. Uh, second is the dance scene to uh, to uh, a uh, ABC. Yep. That was a lot of fun. But he talks about it. It's been a while since I've seen this movie with the commentary, but he talks about this. And I think that goes back to your word of like growth is like these are just things that he wanted to do. He mm-hmm. was like, I wasn't brave enough. I didn't have the resources. But like also people have this outlook of me and the way that I write. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a dance montage in there. Sure. And I thought that part is fun and entertaining, and it makes me smile. It's the only part I liked. Yeah. I, I, and I can't. I also can't defend it because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But it is I, the I only part yeah. I liked. Yeah, you can uh, – they, they think uh, uh, it's a moment – like Jay and, Jay and Silent Bob totally know they're in movies, right? Right. They like, seem to be totally fourth – they seem to break the fourth totally wall. They're totally aware. Like they don't, necessarily, they, they don't necessarily say it, but they're Right. Like, it's very them. subtle. Like, yeah. yeah. They look into the camera from time to time. Let's talk about – Do that. Sorry. That was, that was just that was my fading out into that. We've, we've talked a little bit about the story. We've talked about some of the writing elements. Let's talk about the performances. What do you guys think of the acting versus Clerks One, where these were like first time actors versus get people who have a little bit more under their belt now? I don't think it's great. Still, I think they make Rosario Dawson look like Meryl Streep. Yeah, well, I mean, Rosario Dawson's great though. Yes, she is, but she's she's incredible in comparison. Um. Randall's a little better. I don't know these actors' names. Randall's a little Jeff better. Anderson. Dante is still not good. Brian O'Halloran. Yeah. yeah. And the others really don't talk enough to know. I, I think that the some of the performances really help accentuate how much better I think this how much better this is than Clerks One. I think Jason Muse actually might be the most improved. He plays Jay. Because mm-hmm. uh, it feels like when he did Jay the first time, he was just doing all he knew how to do. And I feel like now this is his this particular movie is his sixth time playing Jay. Uh, when you include the animated series, he's kind of figured out who the character is, and now he can play the character. Mm-hmm. Versus that first time, he was just like, I mean, he's just this is how I talk, this is what I do, I'm just doing it. Yeah. Now he can actually like tap into playing a kind of like a parody of probably whatever he was doing then. Like, and so it sounds. Kind of like a natural character. When he's looking in the camera and he's kind of interacting with you, you can see way more charm with the with the camera than he had at I don't twenty. When how old yeah. was the first one? You know, when, especially well, and when he said does the him silent, being Silent Bob or Jay is just the, basically uh, him being himself. When he does at the, that age, when he does the Buffalo Bill thing, I was like, this is funny. I mean, not the naked part, but the part where he was like, "Ooh," you know, <laughs> so, he's like doing all the dance, and I was like, "Yeah, he's got it." There's there's a certain level of there's a certain level of charm here that like wasn't there the first time. And I don't know that I really noticed that outside of just noticing that there was a little more Jay than there was last time. But when I'm look, I, when I'm looking at an improvement in acting, I guess I want to know. Can you do? Do you do just a one note performance of a character, mm-hmm. or can you do? Can you show me this character feeling different things? Can you show me a range within this character, or can you just do one thing? And I really felt like Randall's performer, <laughs> Jeff Anderson, Jeff, Jeff Anderson, Anderson. Yeah. is the only one who really showed a range, and right. it was in that jailhouse scene at the end when he when he tells the other two to cover their ears, and then he goes yeah. into how much he cares about he had him. Drops some of the other like. Yeah. 
Dante is just kind of always upset. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really deviate from that um, zone of I'm always a little stressed out. Mm-hmm. At the end, at the end, he's at the end for he's still me. Pretty. He is. He he is finally figured out after twelve years and however long that he this is what he is meant to do. He might say that he hates the quick stop and all of that stuff, but he has come to the realization that he is able to live his life as his own. Mm-hmm. He is going after the girl that uh, Rosario Dawson's character. <laughs> I don't remember her name. Becky. Becky. And he realizes that the quick stop is what he's meant to be. And he's owning his own business. He's doing his own thing. He's married. He's he's found the things that he has been striving for this whole time, but he did it the way that he wanted to do and not the peer pressure. Either. More or less. Yeah. I think adding I Rosario like I that Dawson. Performance. Um, Rosario Dawson wasn't the first choice to play Becky. I think ultimately, though, it ended up being the best choice they could go with because she has such a cool natural vibe and pretty much every movie she seems movie like she fits in with this or TV group. show yeah that I've ever seen and I feel like she helped everybody she was in a scene with like they felt more natural just by playing kind of over the top characters and kind of one dimensional characters at times I feel like even in a even in like the brief interaction she has with like Jay and Silent Bob they feel slightly more natural just acting with Rosario Rosario she's just I, I she's just cool she's always been cool in anything I've ever seen her in I feel like Obviously, if they had gone bigger, um, it might have seemed kind of out of place. But she kind of feels like at the right level. And this movie's packed with some guest stars, too. Got Ben Affleck, got Jason uh, Jason uh, Lee. Mm-hmm. I did genuinely enjoy Jason Lee's cameo, but only yeah. because he clearly just walked off the set of My Name is Earl. <laughs> like, that was Earl Hickey. That so, was not Jason yeah. Lee. So, so did Ethan Suffolk. Like, it was... was yeah, Ethan yeah, yeah. but But just see, like... <laughs> he that he is in Earl Hickey costume like yeah. it really looked like he walked off the set he still has the hair the, yeah. the Earl sideburns the mustache. the mustache that was funny to me he's just so great though it's just I, I feel a, like he was like I can't I, this gotta stay it was the moment where I was watching it and obviously he's being kind he's kind of big leaguing uh, uh, Randall and uh, Dante a little bit but I was watching and just going kind of like going like you know Randall I still kind of think you're in the wrong here a little bit like yeah he's He's kind of showing you up a bit, but like you're totally taking the low road by like just making fun of his old high school nickname. Yeah, like, like it was it, he. It's a it was a good dynamic, and I feel like Jason Lee was really awesome in that moment. We need more work for Jason Lee. I'm a big fan of him. I agree. I don't think yeah. he likes to act anymore, though. Uh, I think that's pictures. a personal he's taking, choice. He's yeah. taking pictures and being an artist. I, honestly, I think he made a bunch of Alvin and the Chipmunks money and then just went. Yeah. I can take yeah. pictures now. That's I, uh, cool too. I yeah, did, good I, for him. I do want to point out as it sounds like we're kind of wrapping things up a little bit. Kevin Smith has a new one coming out. It's a Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and it has got, based on the pictures that I've seen on his Instagram, a ton of cameos coming up. It's Mm -hmm. got Chris Hemsworth. It'll have Jason Lee. It'll have probably Ben. So many people are going to be in this, and that's what I find interesting is, again, if you look at his track record, he has a lot of starring people, like Ben Affleck has stars in two or three of his movies. Jason mm-hmm. Lee stars in two or three of his movies. But they're never really talked about, and they were pretty early on. The really only main exceptions are Dogma, which has Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Chris Rock, uh, Alanis Morissette, Chris, a, whole bunch yeah. of di- a whole bunch of people that are in that one. But that one was like the most – Rick- like that was like his first foray into – big time movie budget type things everything yeah. else is pretty cheap Sound and like. then uh, Jay and Silent Bob also has a lot of people in it but that movie's 
not great. Um, <laughs> and then Red State has John Goodman in it, and Red State is really probably, in my opinion, his best movie overall. Um, but it's just interesting to see the connections that he makes while not overly exploiting them in his movies to make them or to get them there. He does his things his own way. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff seems like they're very, I don't want to say personal, but like I think that's why I enjoy the dialogue because it seems like these are conversations that I could see Kevin Smith having in his comic book store. Yeah. On his well, you know, what's great about Kevin Smith from a personal perspective is that you can see in the way he talks about the things that he likes that he just doesn't really care what other people think. Yep. Um, he has some truly bad opinions <laughs> about – he does. I think we would all agree that some of his opinions no. about movies are bad. Yeah. Yeah. This man, like, cried at, uh, at, like, one of the DC movies recently. Oh, like, <laughs> he doesn't have great opinions. Right, but the, the point is he doesn't care. Yeah. He's, and he wants to share it anyway. He's yeah. passionate about it. He's and I admire about that. people being passionate about stuff that they're working He's not afraid to say what he thinks. Like, he is a – He's a diehard DC fanboy. He's well known for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the point where he, I don't know if he still does, but he hosted like a DC talk show on DC Universe for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, call him, I can't remember. I don't know if that's still him. around or not. He's in but Lego Batman 3. He loves everything DC, and that is not a mainstream opinion. I <laughs> but he doesn't said, care. I have said multiple times that he needs to be the one to take over the creative aspects for DC. And here's why not because I think that his style of movie making and whatnot would be great for the DC universe but you use too much David because his passion for wanting them to be good drives me to believe that he can make it good he can make that universe connect he that is strong yeah it is. you dumped half the bottle on <laughs> no, your arm was I was watching you and I thought in my head that's too much it's a uh, hand sanitizer sounds, yeah. sounds like someone like left fruit loops out yeah, on that's me. very strong Ugh. you're gonna be very clean but I think but I think that's why I have always said that I, th- I want Kevin Smith to be in well, charge because he knows the universe he knows what he's talking about he knows how to make movies and I think that he can give it to people and help them without him being too involved Maybe. Yeah, so he directs The Flash he directs several TV shows um, he's done episodes of The Flash and Supergirl I could be wrong but I think he's also done an episode of The Goldbergs I'll look up real quick. Yeah, look it up if he's done the Goldbergs one. His recent uh, Um, choreography. So earlier, Andrew, you said that you thought he was a better writer than director. Mm -hmm. I think the opposite is true. I think he's really good directing material that he is a fan of than he is with his own written work. Okay. Because I've seen those episodes of those TV shows and have seen his passion for these properties... I think he's a stronger director than writer. Well, and he, re- what I think his strong suit is, is he knows how to connect with people. Huh. He's just a dude. That's like, cool. Kevin Smith is just a dude. And he is able to go in and make people feel comfortable while also being like, finding the way to get the best performances out of them. And I think that that shows in those TV shows. But you also just see that whenever, like, because, you know, I follow Melissa Benoist, I follow Grant Gustin, I follow all of these people, and they genuinely get excited when they see that Kevin Smith is on the director's slot and they because they know that he's going to come in he's going to be cool he's going to be easy to work with he's going to be good to oh. work with and he's going to direct them isn't he also you probably just read this isn't he doing Howard the Duck for Marvel oh he might be I'll get Look to that, that up. Like, I, I feel like cool, he's showrunning Howard the Duck I got a cool series of things here there's a cool couple like little weird nuggets in here uh, he directed an episode of uh, Law and Order in 2000 
Wow. Okay. He directed uh, an episode of Yes, Dear. Do you guys remember that show? I, no would, I wish you hadn't brought it up. He, uh, he <laughs> directed uh, Really ep- unfunny. He directed an episode of Veronica Mars. Oh, I love Veronica Mars. Uh, he directed an episode of... Uh, oh, actually, he directed the pilot episode of uh, Reaper. Do you guys remember that show? No. It was a show I thought was supernatural for years. Um, he directed an episode of The Mindy Project. How, ma- how many DC Project. shows has he done? Um, let me look through here. Um, I'm not seeing any DC shows yet. You'll get there. He's um, done several episodes of The Flash and Flash. Supergirl. Did, I don't know if he ever did any Arrow or not. Two episodes of The Big Bang Theory. That makes sense. He hosted DC Films Presents Dawn of Justice. I don't know what He that hosted means. a show called Geeking Out. Okay. I don't remember that, but that sounds like a fun show. He has directed one, two, three, four episodes of The Flash. There you go. He's directed one, two, three, four, five episodes of Supergirl. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't need that alarm right now. Thank you, phone. <laughs> He's directed, yes, like a handful of the Goldbergs. Three episodes. Yeah, Goldbergs. So at least three and, episodes. Um, and yeah, he's executive producer. Oh, he directed an Duck. episode of Speechless. My Howard, wife there you go. Show. I thought I read that he was doing Howard the Duck. I believe on Hulu. Are they going to put that on Hulu? I think. Is it going to be animated or, real, or live I think action? it's animated. He's done some, some animated, I just read. Well, I think they're doing a, like three or four animated shows that are going to be connected in a weird way. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. That was also before Disney took over Hulu, so I don't know what the status of all we that will is. See what happens. Um, so yeah, I think I enjoy his work more when it's uh, someone else's property. Okay, as long as that other property is not cop out. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I can. To be fair, I've not watched that, and it's I probably bad. would never do it. Don't, don't waste your time. Uh, I can't yeah. still smell like sanitizer. <laughs> I bet. Um, okay, so we talked about the movie very in depth. We listed some scenes that we liked. Uh, we talked a lot about things we didn't. Right. Um, I think love it or hate it, there's at least at the at least expires conversation. It does. I mean, at the end it. of this, I come out thinking, well, I still like Kevin Smith. I just really don't like these two movies. <laughs> and like like you said earlier, they're not for everyone, and I think they're not for me. Yeah. Um, That's totally fine. They're not for me. I don't, I, I don't even, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to comment. I genuinely am not sure if they're good or not, but I trying well, to, I'm trying to take my bias uh, well, out of we'll it. We'll come back to that in a minute with our reviews anyway. We've not been talking about our reviews. I mean, our like <laughs> our our like star rating. Oh, that review or okay. our uh, our uh, movie burgers or yeah. whatever. <laughs> movie burgers. Well, what are you going to say, Andrew? What was the name of the burger? Cow tippers. <laughs> well, uh, the the only thing I was going to say was was that. When it comes to when it comes to the first movie, the and I said this last time, the only thing I have to say is is that based on the technical merits alone and the fact that it was made for twenty seven thousand dollars, the fact that you had a movie that literally came out of nowhere, that in that that alone merits quite a quite a huge deal of respect for a movie like this. I mean, it's very personal. Well, for a movie like the first one, a movie like the first one, yes, this is a different story, yeah. bigger budget, that kind Cl- of stuff. Yeah, Clerks two. Clerks Two honestly just looks like a run-of-the-mill sequel. That's uh, that. Uh, that's really how I feel about it. It just okay. it just feels very Ooh. very run-of-the-mill <laughs> from a well-known a well-known cultish director. So okay. here's my question for you okay. then: mm-hmm. Does this movie, based on the first one, not seem like a logical second half of these people's lives? Because to me, I can see them easily going to work at a fast food joint and not striving for anything more after their entire livelihood has burned down. They have made zero strides. They have made zero advancements. All they've done is go work at a 
fast food joint. Mm-hmm. That's literally it. Like for but me, that he didn't is say a it was unbelievable. He said it was a run of the mill sequel. But like, and what you just described is a run of the mill sequel. But I guess I don't know. Andrew, but, but nothing is spectacular is your, happens. Is your yeah. point more that they even end up at the same spot where they started at the end? Literally. Is your point more, Andrew, that if they really wanted to make Clerks two feel unique, they should have aimed to be as stripped down as the first one? Maybe intentionally go with a, a lower budget. Maybe try to maybe go black and white again. Maybe try to recreate the same thing but now with a more experience or well here's my thing about clerks 2 is i don't think it should have been made wrong there you go i mean i mean you can you can argue with me on that but here's 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 what i have to say is that it when it comes to clerks 2 when it comes to clerks let's talk about clerks 1 for a second the movie (laughs) the movie didn't really have that movie didn't really have like a resolution and I think no. it, I what I what I like is that when you leave a film, when you leave a film, question. I mean, when you leave a film, like wondering where are these people going to go because we just spent an hour and a half in their into their lives. Mm-hmm. When it gets rounded up and it gets and it gets concluded for us, it's like it's it's almost like a passive activity. You're just seeing you're just seeing it and just like oh okay well that's how it ends all right cool whatever you know. I, I like I like it when I get involved in the film, especially something like Clerks. Clerks mm-hmm. Two, Clerks Two does that does have that uh, does have that. It rounds it off. It 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 concludes it, and I just I feel like well you know that was okay I guess, but I just felt like it was unnecessary. It was a high school reunion for you. It was a high school reunion you for know? me. It was. He's obviously throughout his whole career. This is, Clerks is what he's known for. Those mm-hmm. are the characters that people know. Those are the characters that people relate with whenever mm-hmm. they bring up Kevin Smith if they're fans of Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. So throughout his entire career, the question that he's always received is what happened to Dante? What happened to Randall? When am I going to see a sequel? When am I going to get this? When am I going to do that? Yeah, when, there was, is this gonna well, there was when is all this going to happen? I want to see this. I want to see that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Forget Jay and Silent Bob. Where's Dante and Randall? So this movie is fan service. Sure. This movie is fan service. Sure. I, I, I won't argue that. But for me, as a fan, as the only person who genuinely enjoys this movie from mm-hmm. top from top to bottom, even with its faults, for me, this is a good sequel. This is a very good sequel because it does put them back into where they came from. It's a return, mm-hmm. again, back to mine. It is seeing them reach their full potential and realizing that that is where they belong. Mm-hmm. And it closes that story. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any more questions. Okay. Again, back so to for my- me, as a fan... This is a good sequel. Okay, All for right. the but storytelling purpose. I just, but like, it, what, the where I was trying to getting, what I was trying to get at was like, I like the level of mystery that the first one ended on. And but so why? it's not necessary for you. So what is what you're saying? You didn't, you didn't feel like you needed more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's almost like if you're watching Pulp Fiction and you're trying to figure out. If, Don't compare Clerks to Pulp Fiction. Hold on, first hold on. At least you didn't go with the Dark Knight That's this time. Yeah, if you're if you're watching Pulp Fiction and you're trying to figure out what's in the briefcase, nobody knows what's in the briefcase. Right. Quentin Tarantino just said, "You know what? I'm going to leave that to the fans." Right. And, I, and if they made a Pulp Fiction too, what do you think would happen? I think tell us what's in the briefcase. And it, it would, would be tell disappointing. Us, yeah, it would tell us what's in the briefcase, and it would. What if, ma- what if they didn't? And it would kind of downgrade Pulp Fiction just a little bit. What if all they did was just follow another element of the story, and then at the end of the movie, they're basically right back where they started to begin with? Because that's what happens here: mm-hmm. is they go on like things change for a little while, but eventually they end up right back at that same quick stop. But it, it, if you're going full circle, I guess 
I guess okay, but I'm just <laughs> I, I like I like it when the mystery there is still are, there. I will give you that there are certain movies it doesn't feel like you need a sequel to. I yeah. do know, and I would to Garrett's point, there's a big fan base for clerks. Yeah. And there was a desire from the clerk fan base to see a sequel. And you know, I don't know if I would have included myself in that. I kind of fit, clerks feels very singular in its specialness. Like making a sequel makes the first clerk seem less special. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, but for me, I feel like it was needed maybe as just a way to like show uh, the fans and for Kevin Smith to kind of like prove like, hey, these characters have a certain merit. I want to go back to them and give them the kind of storytelling that I can provide now and with the kind of money that I can put into it now versus $27,000 and having to work from 11 o'clock at night to four in the morning. You know, I can give the, I can give the story more time. I can give it more uh, mm-hmm. resources and all of that. So, I don't know. I can see what both of you are trying to say, and I'm not really sure where I stand in the middle. <laughs> I just can't believe that you compared Pulp Fiction to Clerks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with I you. Made, I, made as, a, I made a small comparison to Pulp Fiction to Clerks. I'm so. with you in that at the end of the movie, I didn't feel the need for another one. Yeah. But I also under, uh, understand fan service and fans wanting more. Sure. I just I mean, feel like... I'm glad fans got this, because that's what they wanted. But I also know that there has to be someone who can tell the fans when enough is enough and i think that this is that point because i know that fans have wanted and that kevin smith has been trying for too long to make a clerks three mm. and i think that would be a bad idea yeah because this uh, yeah, one ended yeah it ended yeah. yeah it took them back to where they started it ended yep yeah. i cannot see how a third one could possibly be made that yeah. is not just rehashing the same old things even if fans will still say they love it at some point like you said yeah in a way you're cheapening the original movie i have not and i feel like the movie would like say what you will about clerks too he cheapened that franchise when he made that shitty animated show that was oh. canceled almost immediately yeah why did they like do that <laughs> i like clerks that's fine i've never watched it but it was it was, it was the right kind of bad for me of course, I, I watched uh, it. Always, I always watch it like right. 3 a.m. right after Voyager or something. Yeah, I don't need a Clerks three. This one ended. It's wrapped up. There's no more that can be that should I'm be told. Right. Like I'm, I think from my understanding, he was trying to write Clerks three, and it turned into the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So maybe that's where it went. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would agree. I don't. I, know they I don't need any more stories. I don't need anything else from this. This is a franchise that has yeah tied the bow on it and mm-hmm. uh, moved on. I would just. All I would right. Like to, I would just like to see more stuff out of the View Ask universe. That, and honestly, like, but like, say that like, an alien. Of, like yeah, well, so what else would it you do ask you other than others. be a Jay and Silent Bob movie? I don't know, but like, just something different. You he know, just wants a more. new movie with some character crossover. Yeah, yeah. you want something with, uh, you want something more akin to what else is in that dogma or chasing? Amy? Why? I guess why do you want another mo- movie in the Viewers universe? Because I want to see where Kevin Smith goes with it. You know, I think what Kevin Smith, what Kevin Smith has done here with the Viewers universe. With Just this to, universe, yeah. uh, what he's done with this is a really cool thing. I mean, he's he's literally created it from scratch, independently, and it's sort of built itself up from Clerks. I mm-hmm. think it's a I think it's a terrific thing. But like, I want to see where else he can go with it because we've seen a Jay and Silent Bob movie. 
Like, well, that Jay and Silent Bob reboot will be in these. Well, Jay and Silent Bob are, in my opinion, and you, and please tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But like everybody talks about the VSQ universe, and I don't understand it totally because literally the only thing that connects those movies is Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, like and he, there he, there might be a few. Well, you got Ben Affleck. Well, yeah, and, but like and he's very Jason Leap, They pop up in they generals. pop up in them, but there usually is just like small bit cameos. And they're like, never the like, same character. Yeah, they're never the same character. So like who Jason Lee is in in Mallrats is not who he is in Clerks too. So like mm-hmm. the whole universe thing I've never really understood it because again without Jay and Silent Bob they're just standalone movies that don't connect with anything at all and that's I think I think because I don't really understand it either that that's why it is the View Askew universe because View Askew is the production company right? right correct so I think he's created a universe of his own doing not necessarily a plot and character driven universe like say the MCU right. the movies don't move the universe forward because they don't interact really no. it's just it's basically like, I think, someone might get mad at me, <laughs> I think it's like you could say Adam Sandler movies are like a Happy Madison universe yeah, sure. because actors cross over. Actors yep. cross over. They're I there think. all the time. Adam Sandler has definitely a, a stable of right. characters. And honestly, there's he's done movies ranging all over the place. Those characters, there's no reason yeah. that, that, that yeah. there's no reason his character from Just Go With It isn't in the same universe right. as the Waterboy. I think that's the idea behind the the Isk universe is that it's it's just the same people kind of reshowing mm-hmm. and not so much an overarching story. Yeah. But I that's also, my limited understanding. I also don't think that you two, Andrew and Josh, would like another movie. I don't think that you would like it. Like as I don't think you would enjoy it. You like well, it depends dog- on what it is. You like Dogma. I love Dogma. Have you seen Mallrats? No, I haven't. Okay, have you seen Chasing Amy? Yes, I have. You like Chasing Amy? I did. That surprises me, first of all. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I remember that, liking Chasing Amy. I don't Chasing think Amy? that you guys would enjoy it. Because, again, it is, like it, these girl. movies are still Kevin Smith-based. And, like, if you're not enjoying his writing in these two movies, that's what those movies are, generally. Mm-hmm. Like, in this universe, it is going to be more trash, unlikable people doing trash, unlikable things with childish humor. I don't mm-hmm. think that you guys would like another one. Like, mm-hmm. enjoy it. I don't remember I don't them all being this childish, though. But most of them are. I mean, in, yeah, the, the stuff in Dogma gets pretty dark. Dogma's like an outlier. Yeah. Dogma's dark very different compared to Mallrats and Chasing Amy and Clerks and Clerks 2. And Jersey Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I've, not, I've not seen Jersey Girl. It sounds like you don't like the ones we would like. No, I love all of them. <laughs> you just add Jersey Girl. Oh, Jer- oh Jersey, Jersey Girl's girl, terrible. I think, I think even Kevin Smith agrees. Yeah. Yeah. Jersey Girl is awful. I haven't either, but I'm just trying to pick it. It's been Affleck. At social or whatever. No, no, no. I, I, genu- I genuinely enjoy every single one of the Kevin Smith movies I've seen. I've not seen Jersey Girl because of how bad I've heard it is, and I yeah. don't want to watch it because it sounds terrible. Kevin mm-hmm. Smith uh, himself said that he accidentally made Geely too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. Yep. But I just, I just don't think that if because uh, for me, again, most of his movies in that universe, Red State being the outlier, are bad. Are, they're they're not good well, they're movies. Not, they're they're not bad, they're not but they're like they're they're again they're trash people doing trash things, doing childish things, doing stupid things. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the box office. Okay. Six bucks. We could talk about we can we could talk about the view viewers universe all day. We, uh, we should call, we probably should revisit the conversation a little bit once Jay and Silent Bob reboot comes out. And, yeah, and, we can and try we to do that. that. When is that going to happen? Uh, who knows? I don't really remember, but they, you know, but uh, but uh, that's the day for another time. So, Clerks Two debuted on July twenty first, way back in two thousand six, as we've talked about. It finished number six that weekend with a three day total of ten million dollars. 
Uh, also in the top 10 that week, you have some familiar names. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Monster House, Lady in the Water, which uh, stars Bryce Dallas Howard, who is the first choice to play Becky, Rosario Dawson's character. Huh. Um, she turned it down to be in Lady in the Water. Um, then at number four, you have Yumi and Dupree, which made $12 million. Oh. Little Man, the uh, Wayne, uh, Wayne's brother, is that right? Made that. Yeah. Uh, $11 million on that one that weekend. Clerks 2, like I said, coming in at number six with $10 million. My Super Ex-Girlfriend at number eight. Can we all at least agree that Clerks coming in underneath Little Man is a travesty? It is, especially since Little Man was in. in I didn't uh, watch so, Little Man, but so I would far, assume so. Especially so this weekend has not been very good. Especially no, since 2006 L- was not great. Especially since Little Man was in its second weekend. Uh, my Super Ex-Girlfriend at number eight. Superman Returns at number... I'm sorry, Superman Returns at number eight. Uh, the Devil Wears Prada at number nine. And number ten, Good Old Cars. Okay. The only the only good one on that the only good one on that list so far has been The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. I like <laughs> Don't I laugh like, like that's not a good movie. I like Pirates too. It's good. That's mm, um, fine. So we got two sequels in the box office that weekend, not counting Superman Returns. Uh Clerks Two would go on to finish around twenty four million dollars in the US uh during its ten week run. It brought in $2.8 million from foreign markets, bringing its worldwide total to $27.9, or excuse me, $26.9 million. What was, what was the budget? The, yeah. the budget was $5 million. Okay. Okay. So uh, got a lot more than that twenty-seven grand he had the first time around and uh, made, his, made his budget back and did pretty well. At $24.1 million, Clerks 2 just missed the top 100 for 2006, finishing at number 105. Uh, we uh, have been through 2006 very recently. If you want to know more about the year 2006, our, our loyal listeners, our yummy listeners, uh, check out Superman Returns, Cars, Not the Museum, Mission Impossible 3. Those are all 2006 movies we've talked about. Wow, already. look at that. We've yeah. got our own universe going Go check on. out the 2006 So Many Sequels. We verse. could make a 2006 playlist. I think we could make a whole thing about just 2006, honestly. Probably. That movie, that year's full of good, bad, and ugly movies. Since we all already know Pirates of the Caribbean was number one at the box office that sure. year. We've talked Naturally. about it before. Uh, I'm not going to ask you what was number one, what was number two, what was number ten. Instead, I'm going to go somewhere a little different with it. Uh-huh. Clerks 2, so it was 105 on the overall. Yes. Clerks 2 is the 28th highest grossing R-rated film from 2006. Does anybody want to guess the highest grossing R-rated film of 06? Did I'll you list you one, it in that top you, ten? I will give you two hints. No, I didn't. Okay. I'll give you two hints. I'll give you one. And if you Andrew's got it. one before. Let, go ahead. Let him I, guess, I, I I'm going to get the hints. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, he don't want He's going to get it. Oh, yeah. I can already tell. That's true. I can tell. The Departed. It is the Departed. F. Look at Andrew. My I wanted the hints. My hints was gonna. My hint was gonna be. Sorry. It does not have a uh-huh. sequel. Apologies. That was gonna be the first one. And if you guys couldn't get it off, it doesn't have a sequel. I was gonna tell you it won four Academy Awards. Okay. Four Academy Awards. Would have never got it. Nah. Probably All right. Well, let's wrap it up. It is the sixth highest grossing movie, uh, directed by Kevin Smith. Sixth. Yep. Sixth. What is his and highest? Cop Out. We uh, talked about out. that. We talked about that last Ew. week a little bit. Okay. Uh, it takes the Clerk franchise. Six out of how many? Six out of, I think, 12. Okay. Um, right dead in the middle then. And uh, Or maybe nine. I could like, pull that back up. I'm going to need uh, you to list up till Clerks 2 because I can't imagine any of those other movies making more money than that. Give me one sec. I can do that for you. Do, 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 like, based do, on do. what I know of his filmography. Well, Clerks only went on, make sense. made $26 million. Do you right? remember that? It's not no, like I'm aware. I, that, I'm saying I feel like that is the second here. highest most of his, his movies Kevin have made. Smith. Not this, mm. not, you have to avoid going to the View Askew universe, because that takes away some of your movies. View Askew. Lifetime gross. Here we go. So, Clerks at number six. Unfortunately, Jersey Girl at number five made one million more. 
Then right. Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Ah, I forget Number that four. One. Dogma at number three. Yeah. Zach and Mary make a porno at ah, two. I forget about Zach and Mary a lot. Cops one. Now, he directed Zach and Mary. Yeah. He didn't write it. Zach and Mary's good. What was three? Uh, number three was Dogma. he didn't write it. Yeah. Okay. I like Zach and Mary a lot. <laughs> then uh, just under Ch- Clerks 2, you have Chasing Amy. You got Clerks, Mall Rats, Tusk, Red State. And then Yoga Hosers doesn't have any available data from any use. Oh, God. I don't know why that is. It's interesting. It makes uh, was it just released it... like digitally or something? Did they release that? I don't, think, that so. yeah, I I don't it think it had a wide release. So, like I said, that brings the Clerks... Uh, domestically, it brings the Clerks franchise up to $27 million, meaning it's one of the lowest grossing franchises we've ever, or series we've ever done. Okay. Um, that's not to say necessarily that makes it bad. Uh, it's just, uh, I just thought that was an interesting note. It's only like the franchise is uh, sub $30 million, and most, mm-hmm. uh, most of the stuff we've done is either 70 or more. Uh, and that's all I got today. Uh, cool. I'll move on to Rotten Tomatoes. You're doing that too, so. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Go ahead and read us that. Uh, move on to Rotten Tomatoes. Read us that. What's the, I lost the word for it. Critics, Critics consensus. consensus. All right. Well, before you do that, who's going to be higher than I right. want it to be? What? What's rotten? Oh, that's right. Fifty nine is where is rotten, rotten starts. Fifty nine is where the rotten starts. Okay. So, uh, would you like to make your early guesses before I read this here? Critics consensus. I don't think it's. Mm, I. Uh, I'm trying to take my personal. Somebody else go because I'm. I'm also trying to take my personal bias aside. <laughs> Andrew? I'm going to go with... He's going to go too low. 45. He went okay. too low. 45 is pretty low. I don't... Mm, On the grand scale. 70. 70 from Josh. 45, 70. I don't think Garrett it's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride the line and I'll go 60. Because I don't think I don't think it's rotten, but I think it's real 10 close. 10 points lower than Josh. It's, it's either higher like, than... Yeah, it's somewhere between like 57 Mill and House 60. House over there. All right. Clerks 2 dishes up much of the graphic humor and some of the insight that made the 94 original cult a hit. Excuse me. Original, a cult hit. That's a weak consensus. That is a weak consensus. Clerks 2 dishes up much of the graphic humor and some of the insight that made the 94 original a cult hit. I'm going to keep 70. Yeah. solid as 70. That doesn't help me one way or another, so I'm going to ride that lightning. 60. Would I'm you gonna, like to improve, Andrew? I'm going to push it up to 50. All right, even 50. Going up five. All right. The winner with the closest score is... No one got it exactly right. Garrett. Hey. That's the my movie. score is 63. What's mm-hmm. the audience? The audience is much higher. It's 84. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. That's audience is liking a lot more than the critics. That the critics still, technically, it's fresh. It's not certified fresh or whatever, right? But it's a little full tomato. <laughs> All right. Some, so uh, here's my review I read earlier, not my review. But yeah. Andrew, I said this is the most uh, worthless review I've ever read. This <laughs> review just says the laughs are still there. What a weak <laughs> review that is. That doesn't make sense. That's not even nuts. Not even doesn't close say, to helpful. Doesn't say bi- doesn't say good or bad. All right. No, it's just the laughs are still there. All what right. So let's move review. on okay. to our reviews before we wrap up. Uh, David, you were talking last, so why don't you go ahead and say yours? I will say three and a half movies. Because I actually liked it more than I liked the first one. I think it's an improvement. I give the first one three stars. I give this one three. I give the franchise as a whole uh, three three and a half. Andrew? I give this one a two out of five. Okay. And the whole franchise is two and a half out of five. Okay. I'm going to give this a two and a half, which is what I gave Clerks one, so the franchise gets two and a half. It averages out. Uh, Three for me, and I guess the whole thing is three and a half. 
So you, uh, what was your first one? Three and a half. You said three and a half for Clerks one. I thought you said four. But that was it me was being a debate. With that was himself. me being modest because I would have given both of them. I'm trying to be objective and not fan. Oh. So for me, both of them would have been uh, probably probably in the four range. Do you watch these once a year, maybe? Mm-mm. Oh no, it's been it's been a long time okay. since I've seen Clerks two. Yeah. I just rem- I've seen it many a times, and uh, for those of you that can't see, we do have a video of this coming out. Maybe I'm going to make that announcement. Maybe if I make that announcement, I'll actually put it online. But I have a Randall uh, movie shirt oh, yeah, sitting yeah. here in front of me. I'm a yeah. big fan. Again, I uh, unapologetic for that too. Hey, that's okay. Let's you you can uh, you, you can let your personal bias. In. That's like the whole it. point yeah. of it being your score. Yeah. Is it can be as high or as low as you want? I no. gave uh, I gave I gave a glowing review to Superman three. <laughs> if you may <laughs> that's remember, very true. I mean, I gave it. I think an honest score. Yeah, but I I I went crazy for that movie. True, you can love. I mean, three and a half is not necessarily a bad score either. No. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of So Many Sequels. We're going to be back next next week to kick off our month of Halloween. Uh, we will be talking yeah. about Happy Death Day. Yeah. First, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're doing things a little bit different this yeah. Halloween. We're not picking because, and I think we're doing it because of circumstances. I, Maybe a little bit. May, we'll just see what, what goes. Instead of doing one franchise and picking some movies, we're doing a couple of the different franchises. Yes. I'm not going to say what the other one is yet. No, but I will say, for a hint, it has a new one coming out this month. All right. Both, oh, both of these movies have had sequels this year. This year. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Happy Death Day to you. And one is much older than the other. Yeah. yeah. I'm giving you some hints oh, here, folks. Boy. If you put your context clues together, you got this. But... I guess it'd be pretty easy to figure out that the other one's the older one because we did say it was Happy Death Day. <laughs> yeah. And everyone knows that's fairly new. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we'll be back with Happy Death Day uh, next week and then Happy Death Day 2 and then our surprise um, to wrap up October. So you can find us online at uh, somanysequels.com. If you go there, it'll show you all the apps that we're on. Uh, include, uh, but you, we're also on the Soundstooth app. That is not on that site. No. Nope. But you can go to Soundstooth on your app store, whether it's an iPhone or Android. Download that, and you'll get access to podcasts uh, created right here in Oklahoma by Oklahoma creators, mm-hmm. entertainers, comedians, et cetera, et cetera. We're recording in the Soundstooth studio right now. We are recording in the studio right now. Very cool group of people. Soundstooth. Very glad that they are letting us in. So go check out their app. And like I said, you can go to somanysequels.com if you want to find one of the other apps we're on. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go follow us there. And until next time. I think I'm going to go watch Lord of the Rings. (laughs) 